Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome in. It is a early Friday morning edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson Stremski, rocking and rolling right here, courtesy of the Ringer Podcast Network. And I think it's fair to say New York City is a buzzing right now. And New York City is a buzzing for a couple of different reasons. Number one, we have basically skipped spring at least for the last few days. We literally have gone from winter to the summer with a, you know, everybody's in shorts and a t-shirt. You got people sunbathing out in the park. You got people playing golf like me. Fabulous, fabulous weather in New York, but we basically disregard the month of spring. But as far as those winter teams making their way into the month of spring, we have the Knicks, the Rangers, the Nets, the Islanders, the Devils, all a part of the postseason festivities for the first time since 1994. And we all know what a special spring that was, 1994. Rangers winning the Stanley Cup, ending an insane drought, the Knicks making it to Game 7 of the NBA Finals and losing a heartbreaker to Olajuwon and Vernon Maxwell and Kenny Smith and the Houston Rockets. But if we can have a third of the fun that we had in 1994, we are going to have ourselves one hell of an April and one hell of a May. And now it is official from a hockey standpoint, it will be the Rangers and the Devils matching up in the first round. Fantastic theater. Anytime you can have that 
cross-state rivalry. The Rangers and the Devils have a lot of history playing in the postseason. Mateo, Mateo, Mateo. Sean Avery and Martin Brodeur. The Devils and Adam Henrique walking it off, if you remember Game 6 of the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. So there has been a lot of high-stakes hockey over the last 25 years, over the last 30 years, that has involved the Rangers and the Devils in the postseason. The Devils are a slight favorite, according to our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, which I have to be honest, and I'm not going to pretend to be Mr. Hockey. I'm a little surprised by that. I figured Rangers conference final, Rangers big trade deadline, Rangers the more veteran team, even without home ice. I don't even put a whole lot of stock in home ice because, no no disrespect, Devil fans, when those games are put at the Prudential Center, a third of the building, if not more, is going to be rooting for the New York Rangers. So I, for one, expect a lot of blue to be making its way on the path train, coming from the boroughs, coming from Long Island, coming from wherever to go and cheer on the Rangers. I thought the Rangers would be a favorite in the series. Slight. But buddy of mine, the great Alex Plavin, who works over for FanDuel, texted me this earlier today. You look at the cup odds, the Devils are like 11 to 1. The Rangers are 12 to 1. So they're going to value that. They're going to honor that. The Devils had success against the Rangers in the regular season. They played a terrific game at the end of March. Devils won by the score of 2-1. to one. We're going to be doing a lot of hockey. I know we get complaints from time to time saying, JJ, oh, you don't do, you don't do enough hockey on this show. You don't talk hockey on the show. But we'll be doing some, plenty of hockey. Not just some, plenty of hockey over the next couple of weeks. Rangers, Devils in the first round. And we got the Islanders back in the playoffs. They took care of business last night. They will not be matching up with the Boston Bruins, which is a good thing for them because, listen, the Bruins have been a wagon this year. You didn't want any part of playing the Boston Bruins in the first round. Now you get Carolina, a beat-up Carolina team. We'll see if the Islanders can rekindle the magic they had a couple of years ago when they found themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals, and this will be the first time UBS Arena is hosting a postseason game. So not too shabby to have three local hockey teams all into the postseason tournament, which will start on Monday. And I can guarantee this, we will have a hockey spot on Sunday to kind of set the stage for what we are looking at. Rangers, Devils, Islanders, Hurricanes, and away we go. Now, the main event this weekend, it'll be in Cleveland. The New York Knickerbockers, after what we would all, I think, say was an outstanding regular season. They're in the 4-5 matchup. They win 48 games. Jalen Brunson plays at an all-world level. Julius Randle returns to form and is going to be All-NBA. Emmanuel quickly, and I have some, some gripes with a couple of buddies of mine. And I get it. They're Mr. NBA. Termini's Mr. NBA. Simmons is Mr. NBA. I don't like either one of them throwing shade and voting for Malcolm Brogdon. I don't care what the analytics geeks tell you. Emmanuel quickly should be the sixth man of the year in the NBA. But he had this tremendous year. The Knicks turned it around in the month of December. The minute they shortened the rotation, they took their team to another level. The minute they made the Josh Hart trade. And here we are. Knicks, Cavs, going up against the guy the Knicks were rumored to go and get. How apropos. Because... 
last spring, last summer, as we were watching Donovan Mitchell get outplayed by Jalen Brunson, and we went through the summertime months, you kind of figured the Knicks are going to do everything in their power to get the local guy. The big Met fan, a guy who basically proclaimed he wanted to be a Nick. They didn't want to move R.J. Barrett. They didn't want to give up the unprotected picks. They didn't want to give up Emmanuel quickly. So here we are. Donovan Mitchell is in Cleveland. The Knicks had a very successful regular season. And now they get ready for a best of seven series where they will start on the road, where we have to wonder about the status and the shape and the overall well-being of Julius Randle, who hurt his ankle a couple weeks ago. He has not played the game since. As of this moment, he has not been fully cleared to practice. Tibbs has said people hesitant putting him out there. Is that Tibbs giving you a little gamesmanship? I don't know. But Cleveland possesses a front court that is a massive challenge for the Knicks, with or without Randall. Jared Allen is a problem. Mobley, who I loved in college. I didn't like him in college. I loved him in college. He's a problem. And he's going to be a force defensively. And even when Randall has been physically right, Look at his numbers against Cleveland this year. They're not very good. Cleveland did a really good job of shutting him down. So if Randall says he could play, okay, throw him out there. Trust your player. It's all NBA for a reason. It's the playoffs. I got no issue with that. Randall, to me, is not the biggest kid in this series. The Knicks' backboard is the biggest kid in this series. Is Brunson going to be the best player on the court? He was against Donovan Mitchell last year. Outplayed him in that first round Mavs-Jazz series a year ago. Can he go and do it again? But it goes beyond that. I think you need a monster series from quickly. And I think you need a big series out of Josh Hart. I think the Knicks backward, and you could throw Quinn Grimes in there too. The way the Knicks are going to have success in this series is attacking the perimeter of Cleveland. And I know Cleveland is hoping that Okoro is going to lock down Brunson. But what I am looking to do, we know Jay, we, we know Donovan Mitchell is a stud offensively. He's a sieve on defense. You can attack Donovan Mitchell on defense. That is what the Knicks should be looking to do. That is what I'm going to be watching come Saturday. I think it's an important early theme in this series. The Knicks got to compete in this series. I am not going to feel good about this season if we're sitting here after game five and the Knicks lose in five games. If it has the same sort of feel that the Atlanta series had two years ago. If that's the case, I'm going to be very down on this team. Knicks got to give me some fight. This, th- th- What does that mean? That means a hard-fought six, seven-game series. Minimum. I think the Knicks are live in the series. The up-to-the-minute fan do odds, in case you were wondering. The New York Knickerbockers have been hovering around plus 170, to plus 180 to win the series. Juicy price, might I add. Juicy price. At 11.41 as we tape this podcast, the New York Knickerbockers are plus 172 on FanDuel Sportsbook. What I would do for sure, bet the series to go either six or seven games. And if you want to take the Knicks plus games, you can do that. I like that as well. I think they're going to lose this series in seven. That's my gut feel. 
That's my gut feel. I think they're going to fight like crazy. I think they will be far more spirited than what they were. But between the Randall injury, Cleveland's star power, Cleveland's front court, I think ultimately that ends up being a difference. And I know I'm going to piss off a lot of people by saying that. And maybe it's a little reverse psychology because I picked the Knicks to beat the Hawks two years ago. That fell flat on my face. The Knicks got absolutely smoked and I felt like an absolute moron. So maybe I'm trying for a little reverse juju with this. I think it's a seven-game series. I think it's a very entertaining series. Hard fought, physical, you name it. 175 is juicy. Not going to lie. But I'm going to say Cavs in seven for the official pick. As far as the Nets taking on the Sixers, listen, to me, the most fascinating storyline is Bridges. Bridges thought he was going to be a Sixer. He played his college ball at Villanova. He had that awkward moment at the draft. He goes to Phoenix. He thinks he's going to be a part of that team for a while and then gets traded into Kevin Durant uh, blockbuster back in January or February when we were at the Super Bowl. I think Mikael Bridges is going to play his ass off in this series. I really do. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's the number one guy on his team. He'll get buckets. I'll be betting his overs in a lot of these games. The Sixers can't lose this series. I mean, the Nets basically just put this team together and Bede should be able to eat their lunch. They did not have success against Philly in the regular season. I, I, I expect Philly to win this series in five games. If the Nets can get this to a sixth game, if the Nets are playing a sixth game in Brooklyn, they did a remarkable job in this series. And maybe that's far more of an indictment on Philadelphia. Like if Philadelphia is a legitimate, bona fide championship caliber team, they win this series in four or five games. I'm going to say five. I say gentlemen's sweep. I think the Nets will have a moment. I think they'll have a moment in Brooklyn. But I will say Philly in five as far as the official pick for the other Eastern Conference first-round series. Now, two quick notes on the baseball. Before we hit Alan Hahn, who I love. We haven't had him on the show in a while. Perfect timing as we get ready for this next Cavs series. Uh, and then we'll have a little AMA. And Larry's with us. And we got some picks for the weekend. So we got a loaded back half of the show. Two quick baseball notes. This was the perfect night for me to be on Brooklyn Bridge Pier watching the Yankee game. So I'm watching our neighbor's dog. I play around the golf. I come back. I'm like, all right, perfect. Take the dog for a walk. Sit down. Sunset. Beautiful. The scenery. I mean, the, the amount of just stellar scenery that I had in Brooklyn Bridge Park. I cannot begin to describe the stellar scenery that you had there across the board. The sunset, the vibes, the ambiance was amazing. But I sit down on my pier. I'm guzzing on my vitamin water zero. And I got the dog sitting next to me and I'm watching the Yankee. I'm like, this is perfect. Got the AirPods in, leave me alone. Beautiful sunset. If the Johnny Brito's top half of the first inning, I said, you know what? I'm going to skip the next inning because by the time I get home, there's maybe going to be a little action in this game. I know it's the Twins. I know the Yankees on the Twins. It was one of those nights. That's one of those nights I actually feel sorry for you if you made your way out to the ballpark. It sucks. We've all been there. We're all amped. You're all excited to go to a game. It is a beautiful April weather night, and it's 9-0 in the first inning. Before the Yankees even come to swing the bats. What are you going to do? Johnny Brito didn't have it. He was really good his first two starts. He stunk tonight. A little bit of a book on him. Twins ready to go. Tipping pitches. Who the hell knows? Flush it. If I were Brito, I wouldn't even watch film on it. I'd say, you know what? Moving on. Let's get ready for the next start. And the Yankees got the right man on the mound. 
Mr. Cortez, I will be at Yankee Stadium tomorrow night. Looking forward to it. First game of the year. Couldn't have a better weather night. Get my bobblehead. Have a nice cocktail. And away we go. So if you're at Yankee Stadium tomorrow, come say hello. Um, as far as the Mets, this West Coast trip starts off easy. The A's stink. Sango on the mound. Then you get the Dodgers. Then you get the Giants. Giants series will be interesting because it's like littered with former Mets. Conforto, Flores, J.D. Davis. Ruff is back with the Giants and homered against, I think it was Kershaw the other night. So that'll be fun next week, just seeing all of the Giants now or the former Mets wearing Giant uniform. But if there's one guy that needs to have a big road trip, and I like him because he's been a good pro throughout his career and he had a big August in September, Escobar has got to start hitting for the Mets. Beatty is lighting the world on fire in the minor leagues. He homered again tonight. He's got a beautiful swing. He had a great spring training. It's going to get to a point where if Escobar's hitting 100, he's not going to be the everyday third baseman. And maybe they work him into that DH role, and maybe that's where he gets opportunity. But Mets are looking to lengthen that lineup. If Beatty's hitting like this, he's got to be on the team. So it, it would behoove Eduardo Escobar to go and get himself a couple of hits if he wants to remain the third baseman of this team. Fair or unfair. That's what happens when a top prospect is kind of pushing the envelope down at the minor league level. You, you got to be prepared for that. So that's the storyline I'm watching with the Mets is they got the crummy A's. I mean, the A's stink. The A's are terrible. That's why a lot of people are getting nuts with this Tampa winning streak. They're great. They've played unbelievably well. They're going to win 90 games. They're going to be a thorn in the Yankees' side. But uh, I know they haven't lost, and, and I'm not trying to necessarily poo-poo it, but look at the teams they've played. The Nationals suck. The A's suck. The Tigers. Imagine if the Mets re-signed Baez. Hate to say I told you so on that one. I got so many damn tweets from Memphis. How could you not want Baez? How could you not want him on this team? The guy is a dog. He's a dog. That's all there is to it. He played for the contract. The last two years, he has done nothing. I wouldn't want that guy anywhere near my team. What a joke. I remember I was getting lectured. Oh, you, you're no fun. You don't get it. You don't know Javi. Javi stinks, okay? He stinks. I wouldn't want that guy on my team any way, shape, or form. Enjoy him in Detroit. AJ Hinch already is going bald having to deal with that guy. I don't blame him because he plays when he wants to. I went on that tangent. I don't even know why I went on that tangent. Oh, because I still have Baez video today. But with the Rays, listen, they've beaten terrible teams. Okay? I know they're five up on the Yankees. The Yankees played fine. It's terrible. Tampa will be there. The Yankees will be there. Toronto will be there. Hot take. All right. We're going to have Alan Hahn, who I love, MSG Network. Does the games on the radio. He does his radio show with Bart. Uh, we'll preview Nick's Cavs. That's coming up next. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're fired up. Knicks Cavs start Saturday. Donovan Mitchell against the team that wanted to trade for Donovan Mitchell. I think it's fair to say it worked out pretty well for the Knickerbockers this year. Came close to 50 wins. They're in the 4-5. 
Let's welcome in a guy who spends way too much time around the New York Knickerbockers. He's doing the MSG pre and post. I now get him in the car when I'm driving to SNY. He's even doing radio broadcasts every now and again. The man of many talents, Alan Hahn. What's up, Alan? How are you, dude? Good, JJ. Good to have, good to be on with you, man. It's good hearing your voice, Alan. I, I see way, way too much of you. I hear way too much of you, which is a good thing, by the way. That means business <laughs> is booming. Um, right, at, right out of the gate, this is where I want to start. Mm-hmm. What has been a more enjoyable watch for you? The 2021 New York Knickerbockers that were super unexpected, had home court advantage, got smoked by the Atlanta Hawks, or was it the 2022-2023 New York Knickerbockers? Oh, I've been saying for a while now, this this year's team is just is better than the team two years ago. And while, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you have that, you break the curse kind of season and you finally get a playoff berth after, uh, you know, almost 10 years. And then you also, you know, get a home court advantage, fourth seed, which was so unexpected in that as well. That You know, you'd feel like, you know, you you never forget the first, right? The one that broke the, that broke the string because it was a long time between playoff berths. But I really did, and I really enjoyed this season for many levels. And and one of them is just because a lot of what we saw since the rotation changed, since Tom Thibodeau basically said, "The hell with this, I'm doing it my way," and that means I might have to sit some people that you gave money to, and the front office let them. You don't see that a lot in sports. A lot of times in sports, front office will tell a guy, "Well, we gave him seventy million dollars. You're not sitting him. You got to play him. You figure it out." But they said, no, you coach what you got to do and it doesn't matter. Whatever work, you do it. And that's what he did. And what was the majority of the rotation that he cut it down to? But what everybody seems to love these days, especially Knicks fans, is that your own draft picks, your own players, guys that you drafted and developed. And so when you see the season, the evolution of Emmanuel quickly, the growth of Quentin Grimes, I mean, how Mitchell Robinson, when he's healthy, how valuable he can be. What they were able to get out of guys like Deuce McBride at, at times and Jericho Stims at times, Obi Toppin when they needed him to play big minutes and what he's able to produce. R.J. Barrett, before the finger injury, was actually playing at a high level. Since then, you could tell, like, whatever happened with that hand, it's just he hasn't been the same. But still, there was a time during the season where you were watching him, you know, saying to yourself, you know, we're watching another kid grow. So while they're led by two guys that they signed as free agents in Brunson and Randall, like I got a kick out of just watching, you know, the, these guys that you drafted that you know, you got D plus grades for on some of them by some so-called draft experts turning into key pieces of a playoff team, I think was the most fun about this season. No doubt about it. Quickly's awesome. Grimes is awesome. This year is far more dangerous. But to me, Alan, I got to start with Jalen Brunson, dude. And I yeah. watch a lot of college basketball. You know that. I'm a college hoops junkie. Yeah, I loved him at Villanova. But I got to yeah. be honest, Alan. He's better than I thought he was. You know, like when you get an opportunity to see a player go about his business, kind of hone his craft, you see his leadership attributes, the intangibles he brings to the team. Like never in my wildest dreams did I think Jalen Brunson would be this good? Is that crazy to say? Like, I know no. the Knicks paid him a ton of money. I knew he mm-hmm. would help the team. He's so much better than I thought he would be, Alan. I don't think it's crazy to say it because, look, he was a second-round pick. I mean, you know, he was a winner, as we know, player of the year. Like, this guy in college 
was a great player. But we've seen those guys go to the NBA. I mean, Luca Garza can't get off the bench, right? Like, think about the players who dominated college but really haven't been able to translate it into the NBA. And then you got a guy who's 6'1". So the fact that we saw him grow in Dallas, and I got a gist of it really last year, because with ESPN Radio, I got to cover a lot of the Western Conference uh, playoffs. And I paid close attention because of the Donovan Mitchell stuff and all the rumors. I paid close, close attention to that series. And he really jumped off the page those first three games. I mean, he was insane. When there was no Luka Doncic, he, he was just so good. But then by the Western Conference Finals, and now I'm locked in on the conference. You know, I'm watching game after game after game, night after night. And I kept saying to myself, because again, there, were, there was the connection with him and the Knicks. And I'm watching him. I'm going like, this guy can ball, man. Like, he could play. And when you look at his numbers from last season to this season, actually the last two seasons into this season, it's been a steady growth, 16 points a game. Yeah, moving his way up. But him going plus eight in scoring by only going, I believe it was like plus four or five in field goal attempts, plus three in minutes per game. A lot of guys, they'll score more because they're playing more wherever they went. But he's he's scoring more because he's more efficient than ever before, shooting over 40% from three. This is a guy that just got better. And the closest comp you could make is like Fred Van Vliet, who Fred was a really good college player. And then, you know, made himself from a G League, an undrafted guy into a key piece to a championship team. And now he's a starter and he got paid. But I actually think he might be a, you know, obviously I think Brunson's better than him. But that's, I don't think it's crazy to say no one saw this coming. But what you love is what we're learning about him, which is he's a gamer. He's, a, he's in the clutch. He's tough. But he's somebody that just continually gets better, works on a game to get better. But in the foundation of all that is where I began. And, J.J., you saw it at Villanova. He's a winner. And if you got that, if you can start with that, then you've got something and a guy that's going to continually work on his game. Hallelujah, the Knicks got a point guard, man, because it's, it's been so long since they've had one. Amen. I mean, you're talking the days of freaking Derek Harper and Mark Jackson, for goodness sakes, Alan. The last yeah, time take- they've had legitimate bonafide, high-quality point guard play. And I'm glad you brought up Mitchell. Because, listen, I wanted him. I love the New York storyline. I I thought he'd be terrific here. But I got to be fair. I don't know if the fit would have been seamless with him and Jalen Brunson. Like, now looking back on it, I didn't want to move R.J. Barrett. Obviously, Mitchell's a better player than Barrett. Nobody's going to argue that. Listen, Mitchell's going to be an all-NBA player when it's all said and done. But as far as the fit, and you know it's going to be an overarching theme going into this Cleveland series, do you think Mitchell and Brunson would have been as easy as one, two, three? I don't really see it that way. Yeah, I kind of do. Only because I'm seeing how he and Garland have really worked out. Like, the two of them have looked really good. Um, it, you know, I think it could have worked. I don't, I don't see there to be, like, a major problem in sharing the ball, I don't think, I think the one area you'd probably be most concerned with the defense, because you can put Mitchell, I mean, we'll probably see it in the series. You can put him on an Island. Like he has a hard time keeping guys in front. So between he and Brunson with that, would you have a major defensive issue in your backcourt? Um, where Grimes really does help out a lot being in the backcourt there with, uh, with Brunson. That's the area I think I might've been concerned with, but I wouldn't have mind seeing it. I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't have mind seeing it. Would have been easy on the eyes, that's for sure. But listen, <laughs> you know what was easy on the eyes, Alan? This next season. They played hard. They were a great watch, night in and night out. And now they have an opportunity to kind of avenge what happened two years ago. And, and you know, 
two years ago against the Atlanta Hawks, Julius Randle put way too much pressure on himself. He's turning the ball over left and right. He was nowhere close to the guy he was in the regular season. And now there's this theme of he's hurt. We don't know. All right, is he back for game one? Is he back for game three? Is he at 70%? Is he at 80%? Is he at 90%? If you're the Knicks, is it as simple as Julius tells you he's good to go? He's got to be out there? Or would you be concerned about just throwing him right back into the thick of this Game one, Saturday night at 6 o'clock. How would you handle it, Alan? I'll tell you what. When you look at the schedule, which was released today, and you see how many days off between games there are, game one is Saturday. Game two is Tuesday. Like, think about the break that they've got. So even if he plays game one and he's Sunday, like, sure. You got Sunday, you got Monday even to kind of, like, just recover and see if he can go Tuesday. Then you got till Friday. So you're really stretching this thing out. And then son, like, so I kind of feel like the schedule tells me that I could probably see how he feels. And I don't know how I'd be honest with you. I'm just going by what Tib says. And Tibbs Tib says he's ste- making steady progress. Hasn't yet been cleared for, um, you know, contact five on five kind of stuff. And I think we'd need to hear something tomorrow about that. Cause I don't imagine they're going to have him go hundred on Friday, the day before the game. So tomorrow might be a big day in this decision, but I would probably, I, I would put him out there if he's good enough to run, if he can handle it. And so I don't know enough, but if I'm just judging it on, I know the type of player he is. He's a tough minded guy. He wants to play. He doesn't like to see that with his games played. He's not that type that would say, you know, oh, I'm not hundred percent. I can't play. I think you put him out there at worst just to keep the Cavs to have to worry about another guy and not focus so much on Brunson. And with the extra days off, I kind of feel like it helps. Those first three games are played in essentially a week. That's a lot of time to spread out um, and get rest and recovery for a guy who is, you know, a, a huge part of your offense. Where do you stand on regular season performance and what it means going into a playoff series? you put any stock in that, Allen? I mean, the Knicks played really well against Cleveland this year. Jalen Brunson torched them the last time we saw the Knicks and the Cavs match up. I know there were a lot of injuries. Neither one of these teams is at full strength. You think, you look at it and say, yeah, that's a good thing. The Knicks won three out of four. You say take it, throw it in the garbage means nothing. Well, I'll tell you what, two years ago, didn't the Nick dominate the Hawks in the regular season? And Julius Randle, I mean, he 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 embarrassed John, John Collins. He owned John Collins in those three matchups, and they swept him in the regular season. And so going into the playoffs, you thought, oh, man, this will be a walk. Like, they'll, be, they'll take this. And then you lose game one on a couple of, you know, on a bobbled play here and there. And next thing you know, you're fighting for your life in game two, and then you get embarrassed on the road in games three and four. I, I feel like the regular season gives you a little bit of an indication but because, you know, Jared Allen didn't play, I believe, in two of the four games they played this season, you know, you didn't have um, you didn't have either team really at full strength. The games were so spread out. I mean, you saw him in October 30th. You didn't see him again. Like, you saw him again in December. Then you don't see him again until, I believe, January. So you're a different team throughout the season when you see them also. It's really hard to get a gauge. But still, I go with matchups. I, I always go back to that. And I just feel like there are there are parts of the game that you know what are the what are the Cavs really good at, and then what do the Knicks like to do? And it's going to be tough to score in the paint for either team. But if there's one team that has the the advantage that can do it over the other, 
it's the Knicks scoring in the paint against the Cavs more than the Cavs against the Knicks. And another key factor, I think, in this series to keep in mind, and that's something you didn't have two years ago, well, against, excuse me, Clint Capella, is Mitchell Robinson. Him and Jared Allen against each other, it's just like not having, with Clint Capella's series, got every rebound, got every offensive rebound, because no, Mitch, he wasn't there, you were too small. And even with Mitchell Robinson, you also have Isaiah Hartenstein. Which is another guy you could, another big body you could put in that's a great rebounder, a great passer. Their depth at center, I think, is also going to be key in this series. So while regular season head to head scoring and all that stuff, the stats, throw all that stuff out the window. But the eye test from all the games that I watched when they went head to head, I saw a Knicks team that in pockets of every single game showed you an ability to do against what the Cavs do best to have success against that. So unless, you know, we're all of a sudden going to see a completely different approach by the Cavs, which I seriously doubt, I do think the Knicks have the ability to win this series because they can do more against what the Cavs do best defensively than the Cavs can against the Knicks. It's a great point on Robinson not having him in that Atlanta series. Oh, yeah. hurt him. There's no doubt about it. Alan, give me a guy, though. We know the obvious, right? Like, Brunson's got to be great in this series. That goes without mm-hmm. saying. When, if Randall's mm-hmm. out there, he needs to play at a high level. Who is the X factor you have circled? Nick rotation, three through seven. We say this guy's got to play well against Cleveland in order for the Knicks to win. I love it. I, I've, can I give you two? And I'll give yeah, you, I'll you give can. You one I'll allow it. That's fair. I'm going to give you a 1A, 1B, only because, I mean, an obvious to me, I'm going to make him the 1B right here, and it's Josh Hart. And Josh Hart is such a difference maker in this series off the bench for several reasons. There's so many layers to what he's brought to this team since they added him. Uh, at the trade deadline. But the bigger one, not only in the fact that when he comes in, his energy up tempo, they like to play slow, slowest pace team in the league. They want to, you know, they want to slow you down, grind it out. He wants to get a turnover, get a rebound, and go. And so that changes the pace of the game. But he also plays defense. And think about it Quentin Grimes is going to get the assignment for Donovan Mitchell. But when Grimes is either out of the game or maybe needs a breather, that's now a second guy you can throw at Donovan Mitchell, Josh Hart. Now you got two guys. So two batteries that can drain against one guy with one battery that can drain, you get the advantage there. So one guy gets two quick fouls, no problem. Josh Hart comes in, he can guard him. So I, I think that's a value that the Knicks have. So Josh Hart's the 1B. But my 1A, it's kind of in the theme of what you and I have been talking about here. It's R.J. Barrett for several reasons. One, if I'm him, you tell me how you'd feel, JJ. So let's see. In September, there were still rumors that they were going to trade me, even after signing me to the contract extension, for this guy. And they didn't. And some fans think they should have. And if we lose this series, the narrative's going to be they probably should I don't want that narrative. I'm not letting that happen. So I want to see if R.J. Barrett brings a little something extra to this series, a little something to prove. A little something to make sure that everybody understands. Let's put this to rest. The ghost of Donovan Mitchell and passing on him in the draft and then not trading for him a couple of years later. Can we just exercise that? And it never comes back again. That goes away with one series win. So Barrett has, to me, a lot riding on this series for himself personally and add to it that Julius Randle might not be 100%. Probably won't be. Might not be able to get you to 25-10-4 that he brings every night during the regular season. Somebody's got to fill the void. Barrett averaged 19 and a half points a game. Barrett can score. 
He can get into the paint, take contact, and finish. That's a, it's a perfect series for him to impose his will, play at a next level, and then put an end to all the talk about what the Knicks should have done. Should they have traded for him? Should they not trade for him? Donovan Mitchell, all that stuff. It all goes to rest if he puts up a big series and the Knicks win. X That's such a great point. And that, to me, is the most fascinating element of this series. Donovan Mitchell, the guy yep. you could have had, the star, the all-NBA player, and then you protect the homegrown guy. Alan, you hit on it. New Yorkers like the homegrown guy. You see it with the Yankees. Mm -hmm. You see it with the Knicks. You, you see it with the hockey teams, the football teams. It's easy to root for the guy that goes in your uniform from start to finish. But a guy like right. Barrett's going to be under that microscope. He's got to ball out. He's got to play well. Final one here, Alan. The mm -hmm. Knicks have had a fun season. Two years ago, it was soiled in, in a big way, the way they played against Atlanta. If the Knicks go and play a hard-fought, competitive, six, seven-game series, right now, listen, FanDuel has them as two-to-one underdogs in this series. I think the odds are totally out of whack. I think the Knicks are super live at plus 175 for what it's worth. But the odds oh, yeah, makers, no doubt. Well, listen, they're mm -hmm. smart. They have numbers. They have algorithms. They, they figure this stuff out. If the Knicks go and lose a very competitive six or seven game series, can you accept that if you're a Knicks fan? Yes or no? Uh, I can't accept six because that means I lost on my home floor. Can't accept six. I can't. I'll, I mean, a, a hard fought seven on the road, you know, like a tight one where you just, you know, a slug fest, which I think this is going to, I think it's going to be a physical series. I think there'll be some. You know, there'll be moments where both teams look indomitable and both and moments where both teams look like they've lost it at a gap. And I think this will be a, a, a lot about conditioning, mental toughness. That's the kind of series I, I feel. But let's remember, the Cavs, you know, they lost both games in the play-in last year. Like, they don't have a lot of experience. At least this Nick group has that the pain of a five-game loss to Atlanta. They have that in their memory bank. You know, the young guys on this team, have tasted postseason. They understand it. So, you know, it's not like it's new. These guys on the Cavs don't really have the experience of playing a seven-game series. They have the experience of a play-in. So, you know, Jared Allen obviously does, but, you know, for the majority of that young group, you know, Donovan Mitchell does, but he had that great success. Let's just remember, his last memory in a postseason series was an embarrassing loss. So there's some things, I think, for both teams that have some, you know, prove-it-type moments. But if you're asking me, can I accept losing a sixth game on my floor? I can't. Can't accept that. That would be that would be extremely frustrating. Now, there's consequences. There's all kinds of situations. Is Randall, you know, does he try to play two games and now he can't play the rest? And now you don't have him. You know, there's so much of that that you'd have to tell me in advance. Because if you're a undermanned because he can't play because the ankle never recovered and something else happened, you know. And they, you know, they're fighting their way and they just can't hold them off. I'll, I'll take it. But I, I don't, if, if it's seven, yeah, I can accept it. Six be a hard thing for me to sign up for right now. Gutfian, Knicks winning this series? Yeah, and A. Yes. Yeah, I think they should win this in six. It's funny we said six games, but on their floor, you get that split, you know, one or two, you get that split and you're in the driver's seat for these first two games and the time off in between, critical. Thanks for a couple of minutes. We'll be watching. You like doing the games? You're, you're natural doing the games, Alan. I don't know if you've ever done it before, but I heard you a couple of weeks ago. I was like, 
Yeah. Like he's a man of many talents. God does everything for goodness sakes. It was, it's so much fun doing it. It's like being, you know, like you're in the fight, you know, like you miss kind of being in it. That's the best part of it. And I, I jokingly call it uh, John Andre's fantasy camp, right? Cause John, John was like my hero growing up. That's one of the announcers that Nick's um, all the old heads will know who I'm talking about. I love John and uh, he was a great mentor of mine. And so for me to sit there and think about, I'm sitting in a seat that he once sat in, uh, it's phenomenal. So much fun. So much fun. Now that's cool stuff. Grew up way too many nights listening to Mike Breen and John Andres do their thing on yeah. the radio. So Alan, a lot of kids now, they're used to seeing you and Wally and Bill and the whole crew. <laughs> we'll be, hopefully Alan, it's like three or four weeks where you guys are rocking like crazy on MSG. I hope you're super busy. I really do. Yeah, I'll take it, man. We, we need it. It's, you know what? We got all these teams in the winter playing, playing playoffs. It's uh, it's a good it's a good time for New York sports in general, right? Like everybody is on their way up. The New York Renaissance happening, so why not have a, a little run here in the in the spring, uh, like the old days? About damn time, Alan. Keep up the good work, man. Continued success. We'll be watching. Okay. Back at you, JJ. Thanks, man. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Ton of fun with Alan Hahn. He likes the Knicks in this series. I hope he's right on that. I don't want to go in that direction. I felt like I put the kibosh on him a couple of years ago. I think they're live in the series. I absolutely think they can win the series. I just didn't want to go in that direction. So I hope my Cavs in seven pick ends up being a big fat loser. Okay, let's have some fun. I promise you it will ask me anything. I am caught up on succession, by the way. So spoiler away. I am not caught up on Ted Lasso yet. I have to watch last night's episode, which I will do uh, after we finish this podcast. But our voicemail number, remember, Saturday, Twitter Spaces after game one of the Knicks Cavaliers. Sunday, you're going to want to get voicemails in. You didn't get to you on Saturday night. The hockey, the baseball, all that good stuff. 917-382-1151. Let's do it. Let's hear it, Steph. Hey, JJ. It's Anthony from Tom's River. I had two questions for you. Uh, First question was, um, you know, back in 2019, Derek Cole was in the trade rumors and Yankees were um, in the mix to get him. Uh, they ultimately didn't, and uh, he went to Houston, and they went to a World Series. I bring that up because um, there's a lot of rumors and rumblings out there about Shohei Otani maybe being available. And I know that, you know, he may not want to stay long-term on the East Coast, but my first question is, would you make the move to possibly acquire him if he's available and potentially give up uh, a few big-time prospects, whether that be Dominguez or Peraza, to kind of do what you could have done in 2019 and possibly get to the World Series and, and, and win it. So that would be my first question. And then 
Just a little bit off topic, the second question is, if you could do a rewatchable with uh, Bill from Los Angeles, what movie would you choose? All right, JJ, keep up the good work. Wow, that's a great second question. Appreciate it, Anthony. Um, I- I'm going to choose one that he hasn't done yet, I don't think. So, Bill, Fantasy, Chris, do you guys do Finding Forrester? I want in on Finding Forrester. I love that movie. He's the man, though. You know, the Bronx. Did you miss it? Or did you miss it? Come on. It's a great movie. So that that would be my movie choice. As far as the parallel between Garrett Cole going into 2018, not 19, 2018, and Otani now, Otani is going to be far more expensive. Remember, at that time, Garrett Cole was not the Garrett Cole that he was in Houston and is not the Garrett Cole that he is now. He's coming off a little bit of a disappointing year. I mean, the Yankees could have had Garrett Cole for Miguel Andujar and Clint Frazier, which, by the way, they should have done. Who knows, though? Does Cole find it the same way he finds it if he doesn't go to Houston? I mean, you'll, you'll never know the answer to that question. Of course, the Yankees should be kicking the tires if that conversation becomes available. But I got news for you. If I'm the Angels, I, I want more than Peraza and Dominguez. I want more. That's how special Otani is. I mean, I can't imagine what an Otani trade would look like, even if you rented them for the final couple of months of the year. I can't. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ. Henry from Westchester. I had a quick Knicks question slash tirade. So, obviously, with the addition of Hart, um, the Knicks rotation, obviously, it's a good problem to have, but we have about eight or nine guys that are probably going to be playing minutes here in the playoffs, depending on Randall's injury. So, my question was, to close games, how do you think Tibbs should handle this? I mean, you probably got to have Brunson IQ in there in the backcourt um, and Randall at the at the four spot if he's healthy. But that kind of leaves two spots for four guys being Grimes, RJ, Hart, and Mitch. And I was kind of wondering what your thoughts were as to who else you'd put into the three and five. Because if the Cavs go big with uh, Jared Allen, which they'll probably do down the stretch, it kind of seems like you got to put Mitch in there. So... I get the gist of your question. Closing lineup. Is Randall 100% healthy? I think that's a major question we have to handle right now. IQ needs to be out there. Brunson is a given. And then you're looking at three guys. I think you got to have a big out there, right? You're going to have Allen and Mobley on the floor. You're going to have to have a big out there. So that's probably Mitchell Robinson. So there's three. If Randall's playing, he's four. And then you're looking at some mix of Hart, Barrett, Grimes, depending on the matchup. That's kind of the way I see it. And I think Tom Thibodeau will do what he has kind of done all year. He'll ride the hot hand. Like, R.J. Barrett is not guaranteed to close the end of these games for the Knicks, nor should he be. But as Alan Hahn told you a few minutes ago, he should have a major chip on his shoulder in this series. Major, major, major chip on his shoulder. We'll see if it brings out the best in R.J. Barrett. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ, this is Aaron from Iowa. This is for your AMA. Hopefully you haven't um, finalized all the, your answers yet and you're still taking taking questions. April is one of the best months, sports months. I think we can all agree on that. I'm asking, what's your Mount Rushmore of sports months? For me, it's March, April, May, and October. Honorable mention to June. That rounds out the top five. This stretch that we have, March to June, is just amazing for sports. But 
I'll go with October because postseason baseball, start of NBA, NFL season in its height. So yeah, for me, it's March, April, May, October. What's your Mount Rushmore of sports month? It's a good question, Aaron. Uh, number one is a layup. It's October by a mile. It's not even close. Because you have postseason baseball and you have NFL football on Sunday, Thursday, and Monday night. Plus, you have college football on Saturday. You throw in, and I don't even get into the start of the NBA season and the start of the NHL season in mid-October. Like, if your baseball team is playing, you're really not dialing in until your baseball, te- uh, your baseball season ends. Like, that's just the way I'm wired. And that's why the NBA and the NHL should not start their seasons as early as they do. They should not start their seasons until the end of October, beginning of November. It's a mistake that they do. But October, hands down, is my number one sports month. Number two, I'd probably say September. Again, stretch run baseball every night, football three nights a week, and college football on Saturdays. I know I'm showing a football bias here, but listen, we don't have enough football games in our lives. So I'm going to say October, September, 1-2. Number three, I would say the month of April. And the reason I'm going to say April is because you have to start the NHL playoffs. You have to start the NBA playoffs. You still have Final Four weekend, which you can throw in there, which I don't want to overlook. You got Final Four weekend. You got the Masters. So you got a lot cooking there. And opening day, of course. Opening day, of course. So I'll say April number three. And and then four, I mean, listen, I'd love to put March there. March is not a great sports month aside from the tournament. The tournament is amazing. I love the tournament. It's one of my favorite events of the year. It's not one of my favorite sports months because it's really the only game in town. You do have the conference. You do have the NCAAs. But I actually would say, like, the month of... May, yeah, May is probably better because May is like a continuation of April. Plus, you throw in the PGA, and if you're in a horse race and you got the Kentucky Derby, I'm not, but I'll throw that in there for you. Because like November, December are great, but basically it's football and then regular season NBA and, and NHL, you know? So, yeah, that would be my the finalized four. October, September, April, and May. There you have it. All right. Good AMA. We'll do another one of those in a couple of weeks. Uh, you guys sent a bunch. Thank you for that. We got a few of them in there. Uh, trivia time. My last trivia performance was terrible. We'll come back and try to redeem ourselves. Hopefully Larry's ready for us. That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Trivia time. It was a piss poor, embarrassing performance for me last week. I'm ready to redeem myself. Larry, let's go. Larry, here we go. Who's the only active player to lead his league in steals in three different years? The second one is, of all the guys to hit 600 or more home runs, only one one guy has not won an MVP. 
Who is it? I'm out. All right. 600 home runs. Only one of those guys did not win an MVP. I mean, you're talking about Hall of Fame players there across the board. There aren't many guys that hit 600 home runs. Um, I don't even think Frank Robinson got to 600. The 600 home run club. Wow, this is a tough question. Because, like, you're thinking about guys who hit 600 home runs. Willie, Willie Mays won an MVP. Babe Ruth won an MVP. Alex Rodriguez won an MVP. This is a really good question. I don't think McGuire got there, and I think McGuire did win an MVP in his second year in the league. Is this a Hall of Fame player, Stefan? Yep, Hall of Fame player. Hall- 90s guy. 90s guy. Hall of Fame player. Okay. 600 home runs. 90s guy. Griffey won an MVP. I don't even think Griffey got to 600 home runs. 90. Oh, I know. Is it Jim Tomei? There we go. There we go. I'm proud of myself for that. Because I'm like going through 90s, guys. I'm going through sluggers. And I'm like, who wouldn't have won an MVP? Jim Tomei. What an outstanding career. Outstanding, outstanding career. One of my favorite batting stances to emulate and try to perfect when I was playing stickball. When I was playing stickball, like St. Teresa's, me and the guys, the Griffey swing, and then like the Jim Tomei, I wish I, you know, the high socks, the big over-the-top bat wag, and then boom, dropping bombs. All right, Larry, got one. The next one. The only active player to lead the league in steals in three different years. I'm going to say it's Trey Turner. It's not Trey Turner. Okay. That was a very uh, confident guess for me and ended up being very, very wrong. The only active player to lead the league in steals in three different years. This is a doozy. This is a doozy, my friend. D. Gordon. All right, I'm taking one more guess and I'm waving the white flag because I honestly have no idea where I'm going with this. Like, zero idea. Is it my buddy, my pal, Javi Baez? It's not Javi Baez. Stefan, where the hell am I going with this? Um, So, this guy is a not a household name, but he is an all-star and plays for a division rival of the Yankees. Division rival of the Yankees. All right, that's that's a good hint. That's a good hint. I'm going to take two guesses at this. 
Chiche Hernandez. Not Chiche Hernandez. I'm taking one more guess at this. Randy Arozarena. All right, I give up. Larry, you got me. Who is it? Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield. See, I don't think of him as a Blue Jay. That's the thing. Stefan's correct. He is currently on a Yank division rival. But, like, I, I can't get out of my head Whit Merrifield, the Kansas City Royal. What can I say? So, a guy a lot of people used to draft in fantasy on a consistent basis. Whit Merrifield. Well done. Well done, Larry in Florida. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, Friday MLB, NBA. We got spreads for Saturday. We got spreads for Sunday. The floor is yours, sir. What are we looking at? What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Picks would be for Friday the 14th and Saturday the 15th. For Friday the 14th is all going to be all NBA action. I'm going to go with the elimination games. I'm going to go with the Chicago Bulls plus the five and a half over the Miami Heat. And we're going to go with the Oklahoma City Thunder also plus the five and a half over the Minnesota Timberwolves on Saturday the 15th, the game number one. I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics minus the nine over the Atlanta Hawks. And I'm going to go with the New York Knicks plus the six over the Cleveland Cavaliers again. On Friday, all NBA action, I'm going to go with the Bulls plus the five and a half, the Thunder plus the five and a half. And on Saturday the 15th, we're going to go with the Boston Celtics minus the nine and the New York Knicks plus the six. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Money. Listen, we're heads up in game two. I like Minnesota against Oklahoma City. Minnesota had no business losing that game to the Lakers the other night. The line is moving in their favor. It's gone from four and a half to five and a half. I know OKC was great the other night. I think the road ends for them. I will be on the Minnesota Timberwolves lane five and a half. I don't have a great feel for Chicago and Miami. I don't like how public Chicago is, but Miami, like I said the other day, you can't lay five and five and a half points with them. Not with the way they've played this year. So I'm riding against you in one of the games and I'm laying off Chicago because I'm going to be at the Yankee game. So I won't be as dialed in for Bulls and Heat at seven o'clock at night. I like your Nick play. I think the Knicks are very live grabbing those points. Nick's been a very good road team. They have one in Cleveland. We'll see if Randall's going to play. It's down to five and a half now. I still like it. The other one I like on Saturday night, I think Sacramento's going to have a moment. And I'm not saying they're going to win the series, but that is the first playoff game they were playing in that building in, what, 17, 18 years? That place is going to be rip-roaring. And the line has already moved with them. It went from one Golden State to now one Sacramento. I will be on the Kings laying one. And I'm rooting like crazy for the Kings in that series. I am rooting hard for the Kings. I don't think they're going to win. And I gave this one out. And I highly recommend it if you go on FanDuel Sportsbook. The Kings to win game one and the Warriors to win the series is a plus 210. It's a nice little payout. It's a nice little payout. As far as series presses, I like. Because I know you guys like when I do this stuff. And I'm going to do a lot more of this, by the way, on our, uh, on our gambling show, which is on FanDuel TV, which is on the Ringer Gambling feed. You want to check that out. East Coast Bias, the great Raheem Palmer, Joe House. They have a lot of fun on that show. The series prices I like. The one I just gave you, and then I love the Lakers. I'm a little annoyed the Lakers is going up, though. That scares me a little bit. But Lakers at 120, I think the Lakers are going to win that series in six games. 
So I will be on the Lakers. I will actually be on the Lakers minus one and a half games as well, which should give you a nice little payout. So Knicks plus games. I'm going Lakers plus games. So minus games, excuse me. Lakers minus games. So if you take the Lakers alternate series handicap, it's two to one. It's a nice little way to play it. Plus 140 and then plus 176 on the two to one. I'm going to do that. And then Kings to win game one, Warriors to win the series. And that's when I actually hope loses because I'd love to see the Kings win. We got a lot to do this weekend. We will have Nick and Net Reaction from Saturday night. Twitter Spaces, that's where we're taking our live shows. If you haven't been with us, just get on Twitter. It's real simple. Get on Twitter, click the little voice to speak or whatever. We'll be rip-roaring right after the Nick game. So Nick game's at 6. Probably get on there around 9 o'clock or so, and we'll have a little fun. Then we'll have a podcast on Sunday, which will get you ready for Game 2 of the NBA series, and we'll also get you ready for Game 1 of Rangers-Devils. going to be a real busy couple of weeks around here. Good job by Stefan. I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. I hope you enjoy Friday because the weather forecast is getting uh, rainy and very Aprily. Not this uh, summer respite that we've gotten over the last few days. So uh, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy the basketball. JJ out. We'll chat Saturday night. Twitter spaces. We'll see you then. Be good, everybody.